hopefully you, you received a copy of the outline in the bulletin this morning, and you can follow along this morning if you're visiting with us. There's uh, many verses there to support the message this morning, and we trust that you uh, had a great uh, holiday weekend. Of course, we think about what this weekend is all about and how God has been so good to us. I was thinking about uh, July 4th, Independence Day was approaching, and the teacher took the opportunity to teach her class all about patriotism. And she said to her class, she says, you know, we live in a great country. And one of the best things about it is that we're all free. This little uh, boy in her class, he marched from his seat from the back of the classroom, came up to the front, and he, he put his hands on his hips, and he said with kind of an angry little voice, he says, I'm not free, I'm four. Freedom is different for different people, I guess. But there was a little boy in the teacher's class and it really struggled to learn. This little boy was having a hard time. One day the teacher asked him, she said this to him, she said, well, who signed the Declaration of Independence? And of course, when she asked that question, he didn't know the answer to it. So the teacher asked him every day. She thought maybe if I keep asking, he'll, he'll tell me who it was. And so for a week, she asked him, and he couldn't give her the right answer. So finally, in desperation, the teacher called the boy's father to come in and see her. And so he comes in and she said to him, your boy won't tell me who signed the Declaration of Independence. The father looked at his son and he says, come here, boy. He says, sit down. So the boy did what he was told. And then his dad says to him while he's sitting before him, he says, now you sign, he says, if you sign that stupid thing, just admit it so we can get out of here. <laughs> Sounds like that father knew his son pretty well. You know, I'm, I'm glad and we laugh about it, but you think about the ultimate sacrifice that so many of the signers made when they put their, oftentimes we call it their John Hancock. They signed that. You ever look at that, maybe a copy or maybe in a history book, how big John Hancock signed his name? There was no mistaking his name on that document. We have a lot to be thankful for. There's been a high price that's been paid. And I appreciate the song Brother Kenny just sang because as much as I am proud to be an American, thankful for the sacrifice there's not a greater sacrifice than what God's own son, Jesus, gave for us, that we can have eternal life. And on Sunday mornings, if you're visiting, we've been going through this series about having new life and what the new life in Christ is all about. Today's a little bit of a different kind of message, and the text isn't long, but it's very meaningful uh, verse here this morning in James chapter 1 in verse number 12. If you look at that verse... The Bible says, blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Everybody see that verse? Let's read it together, all right? Here we go, James 1.12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him, to them that love him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. 
Pray that you bless your word. Lord, thank you again for America, but we're thankful most of all for Jesus this morning. I pray that you'd help us, Lord. Many of us, we will endure times of testing and trials. And I pray that you'd help us to be faithful, to endure. Lord, we look forward to the reward that you have for those that would stay faithful to you who have been so faithful to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. We come to this small book in the New Testament of our Bible, the book of James. How many of you like the book of James? A lot of great things in the book of James. And kind of interesting, when you look historically at the book of James, the book was written during a time of persecution of the early church. Remember, Jesus came and lived on this earth for some 33 years, and he went to Calvary and he gave his life so that we can have eternal life. We can have a home in heaven someday. And as Jesus came, one of the things that he did was he established the church, the church of the living God. God's given us his word, and so here we are today, a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we have seen in the past, we see even today that there is this persecution of believers. James, the context was, is during the first century because the Lord had ascended back to be with the Father. And during the days that James wrote, many Christians were martyred. Why? For their faith in Jesus Christ. Some of those Christians lost their jobs, they lost their lands, their livelihoods. Many of them, for most of their life, from the time they came to know Christ as their Savior, they endured many difficulties in life. The Christian life, and the reason for this is because as you think about Christianity as a whole, what it is, what it means, what it stands for, Christian faith is a countercultural faith. Even today, many Christians... And I could put all kinds of pictures up this morning. There are many Christians who are being persecuted because of their faith in Jesus Christ. So in the book of James, in the first century, James writes, and he's saying to those that are suffering, the believers in Christ, those that even some had been taken to the Colosseum and had been thrown to the lions, almost like it was some kind of spectator thing to go watch. They lost their lives, but James writes to them and says, look, I know that you're suffering, and I know that some of you are going to be martyred for your faith, but can I tell you this morning that if you stay faithful, that you will receive the crown of life. This crown of life, notice how he says that it will be something that they and we will receive It speaks of a blessing to come for the Christian. The the Bible mentions five crowns. The book of James mentions one of those, the crown of life being one of those five. The crowns, just so you understand this, maybe you've studied this in your life as a child of God, the crowns are rewards that are given to faithful believers, faithful followers of Jesus Christ. In other words, they're heavenly Rewards. They're not things that we would do on this earth to earn 
maybe points with God or earn our salvation with God. And when you think about these crowns, the crown he mentions here in James chapter 1 and verse number 12 is the crown of life. Now the word crown is the word Stephanos. It's kind of an interesting word, but it, it speaks of a wreath or a crown, a reward. Now this is a makeshift one that I made and uh, again, I'm not going to put this on for a couple reasons. One, I would look ridiculous. And secondly, because I don't know if I'm deserving of this. You see, this crown is something that God will give to us one day. Now, a lot of times you, you think about crowns and rewards, and the Bible is very clear when it talks about this Stephanos, this this wreath, this reward, back in the early days in the Olympic Games, of course they've changed and a lot of times it's because of the day we're living in. Now you see the, the medals, the gold, the silver, the bronze medals that, that are hung around people's necks. But back in the early days of the Olympic Games in Greece, the runners would run their race and if they ran the race, they would receive a Stephanos. They would receive a crown for running that race. It was their reward. And the, the Bible tells us that Jesus has promised to the faithful a crown of life. Now, the crown, again, symbolizes. It's, it's a symbol of an honored position that they ran and they finished their race. It's an exalted rank. The Bible tells us that God will reward Christians that endure temptations. That's what a crown is all about, that they will receive that. See, if we understand the potential of receiving a reward, the question then is, what do I have to do to receive that reward? In other words, what is the requirement for someone to actually receive this crown of life? And by the way, we all should be interested as believers, as followers of Christ, in this crown. It should be something that interests us, especially when we understand what the Bible says a couple chapters over in James chapter 4, where the Bible says, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow for your life, what is your life? It is even a vapor. Your life is a vapor. Anybody feeling like life is going by too fast? The Bible says, look at this, it appeareth for a little time, and then it vanisheth away. See, God's given you life. He's the giver of life. And as God's given us life, life is short. It's a vapor. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews 9, 27, that it's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, notice the judgment. See, one day, all of us, all of us as believers... One day we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You see, the Bema seat. When they ran those Olympic races, they used to walk up to that, that judgment seat where they would receive that Stephanos. They would receive that reward. Hey, folks, listen. If you are saved this morning, that you put your faith in Christ and Christ alone, for your salvation. Understand this morning that no matter what you do, and by the way, this is not an excuse, but God will never take away 
the life that he's given to you because it's eternal life, it's everlasting life. And so as you think about us standing before the judgment seat of God, it's not to determine whether or not we're going to heaven or hell. That's already been settled when we put our faith in Christ. When we appear before the Lord, that's the time that we will receive the rewards for what we have done on this earth. And so what are we doing day in and day out as you live the Christian life? I can tell you this, that everything that we're doing, going to church, reading our Bible, being a witness for the Lord, giving to missions, whatever it may be, everything we're doing on this earth is getting us ready for that day, the day that we will appear before the Lord. So who will receive the crown of life? Well, notice, first of all, it will be those that have a persistent testimony they are the ones that will receive the, the crown. Look at verse number 12 again, James chapter number 1. Blessed is the man that endureth what? Temptation. Now notice a persistent testimony, according to this verse, requires faithfulness. The very word endure, or I love the word endureth, it means to remain under. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning. Some of you right now are probably going through something. And what God is saying to you is, whatever you're going through, just remain faithful. Remain under whatever it is. By the way, if you're under it, God knows that you're there. Nothing happens that God is not aware of. And so what God wants us to do is to remain under. Look, in this life, it is evident, and you probably already know this, temptations will come. You're going to face things in this life. Some temptations could come as a result of your faith in Christ, as we've already read. Some may come because of physical infirmities in your life. Some may be family difficulties. Look, the temptations or the testings will come, and it is during these times that we have, you have, and I have, a decision to make. And the decision is this, am I going to remain faithful or am I not? Am I going to endure? Am I going to remain under that? Or am I not? That is your choice. That is your decision. To remain, to endure means to remain under the burden, to remain under the difficulty. Look, when I think about the greatest example of someone that remained under the burden and under a very difficult situation, I'm going back to Hebrews chapter number 12 in your notes, where the Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin with us so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, notice the word, that was set before him, endured what? The cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, Jesus, the Son of God, he remained under the burden, the, the torment, the agony of the cross. And so he is saying to those that will endure, that will remain under that, he's saying, look, I have a crown I have a reward for you, the crown of life. See, enduring is a part of the Christian life. Can I tell you, you probably already know this, the Christian life is not always easy. There's going to be times of testing. I was reading a great 
illustration of this that a typical concert piano has over 240 strings. And when that piano is tuned, there is a pull, they say, of about 40,000 pounds of pressure. The stress that is placed on that, but without that stress being placed on that concert piano, that, that piano, that instrument of music would never be able to make that beautiful music that it does without that pressure. And God knows what you're able to handle. And God knows what, he, what you are under this morning. And look, Christianity is made up, and I, I love this as, I, as I've gone through my life as a Christian, where I see sometimes, although it's not comfortable, I see Christians being stretched. I, I see that as they are being stretched like those piano strings, that if they remain under it, that their life brings honor to God and that they can, that, that with that, they can go through that trial and through that temptation that God has placed them there. And many of those Christians that I've seen and I've watched them from a distance, their lives, they are some of the most beautiful people that I have ever met in my life. Because even though they were going through such a difficulty that they endured the temptation. They remained under it. Their lives brought honor and glory to God. And this is what we see this morning is someone having a persistent testimony, enduring much. See, it requires faithfulness, but notice also a persistent testimony results in happiness. Because go back to the verse, verse 12, look at it. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. What's another word for blessed? happy. See, somebody that goes through, remember, Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Look, you're, whatever you're going through, whatever you will go through in your life as a Christian, remember this, God loves you and God will be with you while you're going through that. And the Bible says, look, even though you're going through a difficult time, that you can be a happy person Again, despite the temptation, the reward will be joy. I think we all know Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. James also writes this verse in James chapter 1 and verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when, the, when you fall into diverse temptations. Notice he says when, not if. See, we're going to go through times of testing. Peter says it this way, But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. See, in the heart of a believer, there is enduring, there is a blessedness. Why? Because we know that God, listen to me now, whatever it is you're going through, whatever you're enduring right now as a child of God, God doesn't waste a trial. God has a purpose. There's a plan in the mind of God. And what we need to do while we're going through that is to endure it, to trust God, knowing that God knows what is best. Look, God does notice our faith during our times of trials. God is, is keeping record of the life that you and I are living even while we are enduring temptations. Are you with me this morning? Amen. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Look, 
Understand this morning that the crown of life, the Stephanus, that is promised to us is promised to those that have a persistent testimony. But notice, secondly, it's promised also to people that have a proven testimony. Those that have a proven testimony. I think I used this maybe last week, but a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. God's going to test your faith. God's going to see what's really in you. God oftentimes brings those tests into our lives to prove whether or not our relationship with Him is real. Look, there's a lot of times that people will say, Lord, Lord, and Jesus will say to them, depart from me for I never knew you. Is your relationship with Him real this morning? See, the testing oftentimes will reveal that. Notice, first of all, the reality of tests. The Bible again says, when he is tried, not if he is tried. But look, count it all joy, the Bible says, when you fall into diverse temptations. Look, tests are going to come into our lives, and genuine Christian faith is going to be tested. Look at this verse, and if you're not familiar with it, you ought to underline this in your Bible. Look at 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. There hath no temptation, say that again, there hath no temptation taken you such as is common to man. But God is what? God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be attempted, what? Above that you're able, follow along now, but will with the temptation also make what? A way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. What a great verse. That's helped me so many times in my life when I'm going through something and I don't understand, God, why is this happening? Why am I going through this? I'm reminded again that there is no temptation that is brought into my life. It's common. Look, I'm not the only one. A lot of times we think that. I'm the only one that's ever gone through this. No, you're not. It's common to man. See, the devil tries to convince us that when we're going through it, that nobody else has it as bad as you do. The devil just kind of sits up on our shoulder and whispers that in our ear. There are many common temptations. The, The human life, it's a part of the human life. But the best part about this is not the temptations, and it's not that they are common. The best part of this verse is that God is faithful. That will not tempt us. God will not tempt us above that which we are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape. Look, God knows your burden. God sees what you're going through. He knows where you are today, and he will not allow you to be tried above that which you are able to bear. See, the reality of test is that we will be tested and we will be tried. Look at James 1 and verse 3. He says, knowing this, that the trying of your what? Faith worketh what? Patience. Peter, again, look what he says. Beloved, think it not strange. It's not, look, he says, things are going to happen in your lives. He says, don't, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, so though some strange thing happened unto you. See, as the culture around us changes, God is kind of saying to us today as his children, 
I don't want you to think of it as something that's strange that if your faith is being put to the test. James, excuse me, John writes in 1 John 3, look at what he says, marvel not my brethren, if the world hate you. I mean, it shouldn't surprise you if you live for God, if you say you're a Christian, if you don't do what those that you work with do, and you say, no thanks, I'm a child of God. I don't do that. I don't say that. Hey, look, he says, marvel not. It shouldn't be a surprise to you. If you intentionally live for Christ, not everybody is going to like it. Not everybody's going to say, oh boy, I'm glad you're a Christian. See, it shouldn't surprise us. You think about Noah's day. Do you think people wanted to hear Noah's message in his day? No, because if they would have, they would have got on board the boat with him. They would have been saved from that flood. I mean, folks, look, I'm not saying I get up every morning and look forward to trials, but when they do come, the Bible says, blessed are those that endure the temptation. See, we're talking about the reality of tests, but notice what do the tests reveal? The revelation of tests. Now again, look, we, I've already read the verses, but James chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible says again, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You know what tests do? They reveal what's inside of you. When the tests come, my pastor used to always say, if you really want to know what kind of uh, person uh, someone is, just take them out on the basketball court for about 10 minutes because you'll see their personality come out, the elbows flying, uh, knocking people over. You'll find out really quickly what is inside of a person when somebody is being put to a test. A test does not make the Christian but what a test does is it reveals what's inside that Christian. See, as a teacher for years, whenever I was teaching, uh, from time to time, we would pull over in the class, and I would say to the class something like this, and most of you remember these days, there's going to be a test next week. Some of you right there remember that. I could tell by the, the big, uh, I remember those days. And the students never wanted, they would, they would, you know, when it came test day, they would say something like this to me. Now, Brother Keeley, if, if you want to just not give that test, we'll be okay. We'd be fine, honestly. As a matter of fact, we know the material, you really don't need to test us on it. But you know what I found as a teacher? I found two things. I found one, I found what the students really did know and what they didn't know. And secondly, I found out what kind of teacher I really was. Because if the students as a whole didn't do well, it was a, a reflection on me. But can I tell you this morning that in our lives, if there is any failure, it's not on God's part, it's on our part. And I love it when tests come. Again, I don't wake up going, boy, God, where are you going to test me today? I can't wait to take another test. But when God brings those tests into our lives, they reveal what's inside of us. A test will reveal what's going on in your spiritual life. 
See, that's the life that God wants you to live. What are some things that James identifies here that those tests do reveal? Notice two things in your notes. One, tests reveal patience. Again, you see this in verse number three of chapter one. The book of Romans chapter five also says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. See, during the trials, what are we to do? We're to be patient. We're to wait on the Lord. Why? Because God has a purpose. There, there's a reason behind this, this test, this trial. And through these times, what is God really trying to do to us? God's trying to grow us. God's trying to make us more like his son, Jesus. Look, I don't know what you're going through today, and I don't know what you're facing in the days ahead, but can I just tell you that as you are going through them, just be patient. Trust God. See, tests reveal patience, but notice in verse 4, tests reveal maturity. The Bible uses this word, perfect. That's not like what we think. Oftentimes we think flawless. What this is talking about is it's talking about maturity, faith coming to a point. It is God's desire in your life that you grow up as a Christian, that you don't stay a spiritual baby. And that's why tests come. Because tests reveal what is inside of us. And the tests come and they reveal patience and they help us in this area of growing up to maturing as a Christian. And so when I think about the Bible talking here about the reward that God has for us, this crown of life, notice also that what he's saying this morning is those that will receive that crown are those that are persistent in their life as a child of God that they have a testimony that they are enduring through even times of testing. But then also that they have a proven testimony that when the tests come, that they trust God, they're patient, and they know that God has a purpose, that he's working all things together for good. But then notice thirdly this morning, and this is where the verse comes to, is I see a profitable testimony. These are those that will understand the reward. Look at verse number 12 again, what it says. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Here it is. For when he is tried, he shall. Let's say that. He shall. That's a promise from who? From God. He shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. See, first of all, there's an earthly recognition. People who look at your life, and, and you may or may not realize this. You might have neighbors, you might have family members, you might have co-workers. Can I tell you this morning, they're watching your life. They're watching what you're going to do and how you handle situations. How, how you keep an even uh, a keel about you or you explode with certain things and how patient you are and how kind you are and how compassionate you are. Look, while you're going through difficult times, people are watching us. They're watching to see if you're going to stay faithful. The word tried here speaks of an approving process. You think about this, the Christian life talks about this, how 
even in our lives. Look at 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved to who? To God. See, in our lives, we are to be living our lives. It's, it's an approving process. And this approving is saying that your faith is genuine. It's not counterfeit. When you're put to the test, and by the way, when that test comes, it's during that time that you will really learn if you love the Lord or not. Remember, remember Peter? Remember how he was put to the test? Peter says, Lord, I'll never deny you. Remember how the Lord came to him later? And he says, Peter, do you, do you love me? See, when the test comes, it really reveals whether or not we genuinely love the Lord. And you won't really know that you love the Lord until you go through the trial. See, many times that's what happens. I love to see, remember, remember some of us that are married, remember the day that you stood at an altar or before a justice of the peace or something, and you remember when you said, uh, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, yeah, some of you already said it, in sickness and in health. And I've watched some of our folks and other people I've known in my life as a Christian, and I've watched as maybe the husband or the wife has gone through some difficult health challenges. And I've watched how that they didn't just say, I do, but they're doing. Why are they doing that? Because they really love that person. And you see, folks, when you really love the Lord, the trials that you go through, the reason you're going through those, now you might be saying, look, I, I love the Lord. I don't need another test. Maybe God feels like you really do. God knows what's best. And see, it's profitable for us and God gives us a, an earthly recognition. But notice, secondly, he talks about there will be a heavenly reward. And the heavenly reward that he mentions in verse number 12 is this crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those that would stay faithful. See, everyone should love this reward. Now, look, this reward is going to be a wonderful thing someday. But can I tell you, look here, look at me for a second. Again, I'm not going to put this on. But a lot of times, here's what people think, because this is human nature. Boy, I want one of those so I can wear it around. I want one of those so I can parade around with it. So that everybody can see my accomplishment. What I've done. Who I've become. Do you know what the Bible says that you're going to do with the crowns that you receive? You're going to lay them at the feet of Jesus. Folks, these crowns are not for us. Worthy is the Lamb. You see, the crown of life, again, that He gives to us, He gives to us because we've been faithful. Look at 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain and every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Folks, look, there are all those Olympic medals, gold, silver, bronze. They can put them in the coffin 
when those people die, but that's where they're going to stay. But you see, only what's done for Christ will last. What a wonderful thing. As we run our race, the life that God has given to us, that one day, if we run our race faithfully, we'll receive the prize, the reward for being faithful. See, the crown of life will be given to those who have lovingly followed Jesus, to those that have faithfully endured to the end. Look what the Bible says to one of the seven churches the church in Smyrna in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. Look at this verse. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee what? A crown of life. God says just be faithful. Now, some people, they think, well, when I got saved, I thought this whole thing about the Christian life was going to be smooth sailing. And that's a good thought. But God never promised us that. You see, when you think about what you discovered, what I discovered is, again, not everybody's happy that you got saved. And just as you think about the Christian life, we just need to stay faithful to God. Why? Because as we stay faithful to Him, God sees our faithfulness. What a promise that God gives to us, that if we have been saved, we have new life. And if we have new life, then that new life is what kind of life? It's eternal life. And that means that one day we will receive, for being faithful, the crown of life. See, this ought to be something that all of us are interested in. Why? Because... The one thing God is looking for, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Let's bow our heads this morning. With our heads bowed, I pray that you would remain faithful to God. How many of you would say by an upraised hand this morning, with God's help, I want to be faithful to God the rest of my life. Would you raise your hand this morning? God's been so faithful to us, has he not? There may be some of you here this morning that don't know Christ as your Savior. And some of what I've talked about, although it's something to look forward to, the, the most important thing is that there's been a day in your life that you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, the Bible says that because Jesus said that he's the way the truth and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. The only way you can go to heaven is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop trusting in what you can do or who you are or what you've accomplished. You see, you think about how humble this is this morning, thinking about that crown of life. It's not for us. Oh, we'll receive it. But the whole purpose is that we can give it back to the one who, because of him, will even be in heaven someday. If you're not saved this morning, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Would you?